Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia. I am so, so happy to be here today. This is episode 56, and we are going to talk about, um, I guess I can call this an unpopular opinion, um, because we're going to um, kind of push the boundaries a little bit with this thing we call willpower. And I have a guest today, Jen Trepic, and I am so excited to have her because she her and I like really agree on a lot of things. And um, I think you're really going to like this episode. But first, Jen, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody your awesomeness? Ah, well, thank you. First, Sophia, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I love every time we get to chat. Um, so hi, everybody. I'm Jen Trepic. Um, I have a health, I'm a health coach. I have a specialty in weight management. And I came to this crazy world through my own saga, right? I can't even call it a journey. I feel like that doesn't do justice. It was a saga um, of, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, eat healthfully, not be on a diet, maintain my weight, right? All those things. And ultimately I learned what I call the nutrition education we're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us. And from there, you know, set out on a mission to pay it forward and help people help themselves with this information. So I became a coach. I started working with clients late 2007 on the side of my full-time job, actually. And I did this on the side for 12 years before, almost 12 years before leaving my full-time job and, you know, going a hundred percent into the health thing. But so July 2019, left my full-time job, launched my podcast in August of that year, which is called Salad with a Side of Fries. And I suppose you could say the rest is history. Now here I am almost two years later sitting with you, Sophia. (laughs) I know. I love it that you call it a saga. That's amazing. I I think we all live in sagas, honestly. I mean, it it is. I think I'm going to start saying that from now on. This is my saga. (laughs) (laughs) There's too much drama in the dieting life that I used to live to call it a journey. Well, and you know what? I think that's like, you know, what we're talking about earlier. I think that's just is what it is like online with, I mean, the diet world online is insane. I can't can't. even, it's just insane. I mean, everybody, I, I get it. Everybody wants to make money. It's a business for people. But the problem is, is that so much of it is based on, and this is what we're going to get into today is, is not based on actual science. So much of it is based on tapping into people's emotions and smoke and mirrors and, Hey, you want to look like this, then try this. And the person that you want to look like is somebody who the only way you would look like them is through some major surgery, because I mean, I am a five feet tall and I very petite. I like probably average about a hundred pounds. You know, I, I fluctuate between 98 and like 104 ish, depending on like the day, the week, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like but- the opposite. I'm like five, seven. I've never been a small person, you know, but it's so interesting because all of the, 
diets in air quotes out there, right? Like the bottom line for me and when I'm working with clients is that it is all about health and the weight management, removing fat, if that's what's needed is the byproduct. That's the side effect. Yes. And the health needs to be our primary. Um, and that's what will get us to where we can live a happy, healthy life. Well, yeah, because it's like, it's all about, and that's the point is that it's all about how truly you're feeling. And you're, instead of focusing on the way you look, it's how you're feeling inside because uh, we're all built a certain way and we're all meant to be a certain way. And no matter how hard I try, I am not going to be the long-legged, lanky Victoria's Secret model. I am short. I will never have long <laughs> legs unless I literally like, like literally I try to attach more, more length to my legs, my more bones. Like it's just not going to happen. I'm never going to be long and lanky. It's, and so to have that picture of, oh, I want to do this and this and this to look like that is, is just doing such a disservice to my mental health and my physical health, because ultimately your physical health is connected to your mental health in my opinion. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yes. So let's, let's, um, I'm really excited because I actually have never talked about willpower on this podcast and, Ooh. um, it's, this is the first time and I love this take that we're going to take on it. But for people that are listening that I know we've all heard the word willpower, but I think we all kind of make think a little bit differently about what it is. Tell us like really what is willpower in like, what is the real definition of willpower? What is it? So, I mean, there are definitely better experts than I, but I think the easiest way for us to wrap our heads around willpower is self-control, right? Another word for willpower is self-control, but what it stems from in the body is very complex, right? It's a lot of neurological function and therefore a lot of hormonal function in the body. And, you know, I mean, listen, there could be a whole deep dive, but the reality is self-control, willpower is about how we make decisions and what motivates yes. those decisions. That's a great definition. I like, that's, that's great. I mean, that's that self, how we make decisions and what motivates them. Yeah, totally. Yes. Cool. That's, yeah. I love that definition. <laughs> I think that's pretty simple, but yeah. ultimately how we make decisions and what motivates them stems from our brain. It yes. stems from, um, I have had another episode um, that th all this stuff really, really fascinates me um, about how, how we grow up and the mm -hmm. experiences we go through are, are the stories that we make in our brain. And those stories can either serve us or, or give us a disservice totally. depending on those experiences. And our brain is fascinating. I actually um, was pre-med when I went into college and I, I quickly transferred more to abnormal psychology and which led me to teaching special education, which led me to teaching general education and which led me to the whole education field in general, but that the brain and its function and how it, how you can retrain it and how it is able to be retrained and neurons and the pathways, like it's mm -hmm. so fast, so fascinating. I, the more I learn, the more I realize we don't know anything and it is amazing to me. And I am so thankful <laughs> that there are certain things in the body that just do and happen. Yes. Yes. Like if we had to think to breathe, if we had to think to make our heart beat and, you know, to, yes. all this, I mean, it's amazing. 
It is amazing. It really is amazing. Um, I love it. So willpower, basically, it's like, it, it, it's your everyday decision making then. Right. Right. And what we see is the reason oftentimes, and I, I take this back to food because that's very much my world. Um, you know, what we see is a lot of times for many of us, like the day starts strong, right? We can, it's really the helpful decisions in the morning, solid. By the time we're at the end of the day, right? We're like, uh-oh. You know, like I've, people will tell me, oh, it's all downhill, you know, after late afternoon or whatever it is. And that's also science, right? We can think about it in terms of like decision fatigue. The more choices we need to make, the more things we need to think about, the more decisions that we have to make, we wear out. That willpower is a finite resource in the body. And there are ways to replenish it, right? So for example, eating glucose, blood sugar, turns out is actually very directly correlated to willpower. That when our blood sugar is low, our willpower is very low. Not to say that when our blood sugar is high, our willpower is high, but when our blood sugar is balanced, our willpower is higher. And, and that makes sense, right? I mean, think about it even practically when our blood sugar is low, we haven't eaten enough or we haven't eaten for a long time. We're hangry and everything looks good. And our body is craving the candy, the sugar, the high glycemic impact carbohydrates, right? The stuff that's going to give us fuel the fastest. Yeah, exactly. It's science. Exactly. And so willpower is in the same category of science, you know, and the challenge is like, it's often called like the dieter's paradox or the dieter's catch 22 of willpower. It's that, you know, in order to not eat, we need willpower, but in order to have willpower, we need to eat. Yes. Yes. And well, and that's why when you talk about the diet world and how they talk about, oh, carbs are bad. It's like, I mean, your brain uses yes. the carbohydrate macro to function. So yes. that is why people that cut their carbs, they're, they have brain fog, they're exhausted. They don't, they, you know, and that is like, it's all science. And that's the right. thing is that, yes, there are, like we were just talking about before, you know, sugar is a carb and our body when, you know, in fight or flight back in the day, in the caveman days, whatever it is in fight or flight, like everything else stops so that your body yes. can use that to function at its best, because you're going to die if you don't function at its best back in the day. Right. But, but that is an innate thing that we still have with us. And when exactly. it comes to stress, I always say, anxiety. Yeah. I always say like our, our biology has not evolved as quickly as our society. Right? right. And so our stressors now being mental rather than physical, the right. stress process that was supposed to last like 20 minutes is now a constant and B triggered before the last process ever even completes. You know, like every time we hear the phone buzz, every time we think about a conversation that has to have, every time we check our email, the alarm goes off, all of those things trigger the stress response in the body. Exactly. And yeah. that's why like the science of not, you know, right. not eating a certain macro or whatever, your body is meant to have a little bit of everything. And 
it needs it. Like your brain mm-hmm. actually needs it. So, and that's interesting to talk about decision fatigue because my, I have a meal systems course that focuses on decision fatigue and how when people traditionally meal plan, they end up giving up a lot of the times because there's so many decisions that you have to make in that traditional process that it's overwhelming for most of us and how my course teaches people how to pare it down to avoid choice, you know, over um, too many choices, decision fatigue, all that kind of stuff, because human nature is when we have so many choices, we end up not making one. Or if we do, it's not a very good choice because we're just too overwhelmed. Our brain just can't handle it. Right. And I think one of the things to think about and recognize in that whole category, and again, we're, we've only touched on, you know, the food stuff, yes. <laughs> right? Not even all of the other things that we have to think about in our lives in a day, but with the food thing in particular, like the number of food decisions that we make in a day is not just eat this, don't eat that at a meal. Right. Recognizing right. that driving down the street and seeing a billboard for a restaurant turns into a food decision according to our brain. Seeing a commercial, smelling a bakery, all oh, of yeah, those all things. Oh, yeah, all the senses. Yes. Are, right. So all of these things, like we don't even realize we make hundreds and hundreds of food decisions in a day. It's not just your, you know, the times that you're actually going to eat something or it's not just when you're at the grocery store. No, not at all. I mean, and so I always link it back to like, so I taught special education. I taught kids who um, had different, you know, various degrees of learning disabilities. And one of the things I, I told, you know, teachers and parents is that, for example, writing is a skill that was one of the toughest ones for kids to master. And people don't realize that in the act of writing, we actually have so many decisions we have to make from not only what we are writing to organizing our writing, but it's as simple as forming each letter, forming each word, the spaces between words, the spaces of the words that we're going to put on a page and how far away it is from each side and from each other. And I mean, spelling everything, there's so many different decisions. And the same thing goes when it comes to eating. It's not just what you're eating. It's not only do you have to decide what you're going to eat, but you have to think about when you're going to prep it, how you're going to get the ingredients, how you're going to prep it, how you're going to present it. There's so many different things um, when it comes to it. And even when you're making it, the order of the, you know, of how you make things like it's not simple. People think that it's such a simple thing and it's, it's truly not. It's one of the most complicated things. That's why we have so many problems with diets, eating health in America. I mean, one of many reasons, but yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because when we take it back to, you know, the food and the diet thing, right. A lot of what we feel like, and when we, a lot of times when people reference willpower in that context is about this, it's this thing about resisting desire. Yes. Right. And I remember there was a study I don't remember what year the study was from, but um, I learned about it years ago, but it was basically that people spend at least a fifth of their waking hours resisting desires. So 
if that's the reality, right? A fifth of our day is spent resisting desires, relying on that process for our health is setting ourselves up. And it doesn't have to be that way. And that's ultimately like what I focus on a lot is when we work with the science of the body and with our own brain chemistry and with the food choices, we don't have to rely on willpower. And that in turn, like we can strengthen willpower. There are things that we can do, but I think one of the best things we can do, similar to your meal planning course, right? One of the best things we can do to strengthen willpower is to not rely on it for everything. Well, and it's also, I mean, if we're talking about mental health and balance, I mean, there's so many studies that show that if you're craving something and you resist, 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 so many of the times you're just going to binge. And whereas at the very beginning, if you just had a little bit to satisfy and moved on, you're going down such a better path overall. And it's like so much of this world is just putting packaging foods and putting them into boxes as good and bad and assigning emotional traits to food when in fact food should not be associated with emotions. You know, it's, it's, it, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not a um, value-based thing just because you eat this doesn't mean you're a good person. And just because you eat that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Oh, well, first of all, who you are as a human has nothing to do with the food you put in your body. Right. But Full so stop. much of what, yeah, for, <laughs> so much of what you see online though, plays with those emotions right. to make people think right. otherwise. Right. And so one of the things that we all want to do and put effort toward is separating our identity from our food, right? Like the people who are in your life love you because of who you are and how you show up. That is not like you are not a bad person for eating sugar ever. What makes you who you are is you know, how you treat people, <laughs> right? right. And, and, those, and those relationships and separating that, you know, from those, those emotion words, the judgment words, right? Now, the other side of that is, sure, I show up better in my life and in my relationships when I fuel myself properly and I have better energy and my blood sugar isn't spiking and dropping and I'm not constantly trying to like, deal with chemical mood situations. Right. Right. And, but right? I also, so, now I say I, on that same line, I also show up better when I want to eat a brownie and I eat a little bit of a brownie versus saying, I'm not going to eat that. Cause I'm going to, I don't know, gain weight, get fat. I'm a bad person, whatever, because then that mood of like that downward spiral, like definitely affects me. So a hundred percent. And, and you know, the, I did a whole episode on cravings. You guys can go listen to that. Cause there's a lot that goes into cravings, right. And what's yes. prompting it and how yes. we handle it, you know, has a lot to do with other factors, but you're exactly right. Sometimes the best way to handle it is to just have a little bit of it instead of trying to do exactly, as you said, resist, resist, resist. That goes back to the willpower thing. Right. And I think, <laughs> To your point, like the dieting world has made, like I describe it when people come to me, the dieting world has made them feel like they are standing at the bottom of Mount Everest 
naked and barefoot and everyone around them is going, climb, climb. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you going? Climb. Yes. Yeah. Right. But you don't even, but you don't even have shoes on. Right. You have nothing. So yeah. And then when we start to choose foods that properly fuel our body, that give us the fundamentals of nutrition and help keep our blood sugar balanced. Right. Then we're standing at the bottom of a ski hill in Vermont with poles, boots, a jacket, you know, gloves, and a chairlift. And now we're like, okay, I can do this. And I might fall on the way down, but I can think about what I did and I'm willing to give it another shot and go for another run. Well, and it's also like what you said, well, you know, what we talked about before is that our brain needs things like carbs. So maybe if you're craving something like taking a step back and thinking to myself, am I eating some, have I been eating a balanced diet today? Because if you've been cutting your carbs, your carbs in your brain needs to function, it is going to crave certain things because you've been depriving your body of that just in general, you know? So sometimes it's about that. It's also like, have I drinking my water? Because sometimes first really makes you feel like you're hungry. Yeah. So backing up for a second. So a lot of times when we crave sugar, what our body actually needs is protein. So you'll notice that your cravings are probably, you know, your cravings for the breads, pastas, croissants, bagels, cookies, brownies, right? Are a lot higher if we haven't had sufficient protein in a day. Um, And similar to what you were saying with the water, we conflate the sensation of thirst and hunger. Yes. And I also think that in part of this, oh, I'm going to white knuckle it and willpower my way through because I'm supposed to eat less and move more, right? Which also is not science, but (laughs) we've been told that that's what we're supposed to do. And so then we rely on this willpower to not eat and we ignore the sensations coming from our body. We're ignoring those feelings of hunger. And when that happens, so there's actually hormones in the body that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied. Those are ghrelin and leptin. And just the same way that we can become insulin resistant, right? We know that to be diabetes. We can become resistant to the hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied. So our body will stop responding to the ghrelin that says, hey, yo, you're hungry, right? And then, or if you ever feel like once... So by the way, that you might experience feeling like you're never hungry and you eat because it's theoretically time to eat, or you wake up in the morning and it takes hours before you're hungry. Those can be indications of ghrelin resistance. And on the leptin side, uh, if you, you know, start to eat and then you feel like it's difficult to stop, that can be a sign of leptin resistance. There's also chemicals in foods and processed foods that turn off our ability to know when we're full. So you don't suck. It's not that you have no willpower. It's that you're trying to use willpower, a finite chemical resource in the body, to fight chemicals in the body. Right. Well, and also um, when you aren't getting enough sleep, your yes. body also craves those sugar, simple yes. carbs when you're not, you know, so that's yep. the thing is that taking a step back and asking yourself, okay, have I had enough to drink? Am I sleeping well? What am I eating? Like it's not How's my stress. Yes. yes. A hundred percent because stress too. stress for me 
I, when I, and I, the reason I say this and the reason I know this is because I've been through many times in my life of like extreme stress and I am the opposite of a stress eater. I'm a stress not eater. When I am stressed, I have zero hunger whatsoever. And at the most down part in my life, when I was going through um, early menopause, I did not realize this because I ate when I was hungry or felt like, oh, I haven't eaten much today. I need to eat something. I know I'm stressed, but I need to get something in my body thinking I'm, you know, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but not realizing how little I really was eating and how much stress I really had. I mean, I was disgustingly thin and I didn't, while I kind of noticed a little bit with the way that my clothes fit me, I don't know. I I don't use a scale. So I didn't know until I hit rock bottom and I was having anxiety attacks like all day, every day. And I went to the doctor because I was like, I need help. And I stepped on the scale there and I was like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, I am not doing well. (laughs) Well, and that's, you know, I give everybody sort of a daily wellness check of how's my energy? How's my sleep? How's my stress? And how's my self-esteem? And if we check in on those four pieces every day and maybe multiple times a day, (laughs) right? Those are much better indicators of what we need to be doing and is what we're doing working for us. Because I think a lot of times relying on the willpower, relying on these things, like it creates a situation where there's a lot of mental capacity that's eaten up by the food or eaten up by the weight or whatever it is. And it's one of a podcast guests I just had, she described it so beautifully as our wasted human potential. You know, and I always say like, think about all the things that you could be doing if we weren't using up all of that mental capacity on these kinds of decisions or trying to willpower our way to health. You have so much more mental ability to focus on the things that actually are going to make the changes. Exactly. I mean, and there are stories of people who, you know, started to focus on, you know, learning another language or taking a a pottery class or, you know, started a nonprofit because instead of their brain being caught up in what did I eat this morning? What what did I eat for lunch? Does that mean I can eat this for dinner? Or no, no, you ate you ate that bagel. You should really just eat a salad. Yeah. yeah. You, like that is so much thought process to keep track of everything we eat. Right. Well, and also just like the idea of like, well, when you just, it just triggered me, oh, you should just eat a salad. Like you're sitting and having dinner with your family and you mm-hmm. have children. And let's say that day, like you said, you had a bagel and you think to yourself, oh, I need to have a salad for dinner. But you created this beautiful, let's say, um, casserole for your family. And you're sitting there and everyone's enjoying this amazing casserole. You put all this effort in and you're eating the salad. What is that saying to your children? Like, what is that? How is that being a role model? Like, they look at mom eating something different. And if they, you know, question you on it, it's like, oh, I ate this earlier today. Like, what are you teaching them? Right. You know, like, I'm not going to, I, I am not worth. And it is so not okay for me to enjoy this beautiful meal with my family. I have to just eat this as a punishment, really. It's like, 
Right. Well, and I think even what we don't say out loud, right? They pick up. Well, you that's know, what I mean. it's how they do you that. right, right? How do you talk to yourself? How do you talk about the food that you're serving? How do you encourage them to eat their vegetables? How do you um, encourage them to eat their protein? Right? How do you talk about dessert and treats and snacks and you know right. all of it? plays in together in a way where our own health, our own relationship to ourselves, our own relationship to food turns into a much bigger snowball than we ever realized. Right. And you, like, like we said at the beginning is that you're, the way you were raised, you know, create your stories on how you make decisions. And so if you, it's, it, that's why we talk about the cycle that continues from generation to generation, because you're passing on, you know, all those things without making the changes in yourself. Like I have three boys and although I have, you know, boys and it's a little, you know, I don't think it's, um, I think boys are still susceptible to this, but, um, you a know, of course, in our, yeah, of course our society, you know, focuses so many on girls, but that being said too, like one day my boys, may marry a woman, my boys may have a daughter. And I want to raise my boys with these, this great outlook and positive relationship with food, weight, whatever it is, so that they can support the women in their life to have that as well. So it's not just necessarily about the child you're raising. It's also raising the child to support those other people in their life as well. Absolutely. And that's kind of like, you know, people, I've had so many comments in my life with the fact that, oh, you're so lucky you don't have to deal with X, Y, Z. And it's like, so that means that I don't have a requirement to raise my boys a certain way because, you you know, society thinks that, oh, I'm so lucky I have a boy. It's like, no, we are a society as a whole. And if we don't raise all sexes to feel a certain way, that's the problem is it's, Mm-hmm. The weight, the weight is put on a certain population and it's like, no. <laughs> right. Well, and even going to, you know, how we teach everyone to make decisions, right? It goes back to that willpower thing. How are we demonstrating self-worth? Right. Exactly. You know, that's totally, you know, it ends up showing up in our food, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, exactly. But yeah. everyone... And those are things that we teach all of our kids, you know, not just the girls. And the other side of this to remember is, as I said before, this is about health, mental, physical, emotional, total health and well-being. That is not reserved for just some of our population, number one. And number two... We also need to teach everyone to separate bodies and weight from health. Yes. Like, I hate this phrase, but I'm waiting for my brain to give me a new one, right? But that term skinny fat, like that actually exists. What that means is someone who looks thin, but their insides are are more like someone who is obese. Right? right. Because size is not determined. Health is not determined by size. Like that's period. Right. Unfortunately, our society with BMI and all these things, like Ugh, I can't. They, ca- they categorize it. And it's, 
I mean, if you even if you look at it as what to me is very interesting is, you know, you know, the COVID vaccine, we here in California, we had a phase of you're eligible for the vaccine if you were over a certain BMI. And it's like, okay, I get that you need some kind of category, but at the same time, you are cutting out people who like I had, I have a neighbor and friend who has brain cancer, brain cancer. She was not able to get a vaccine right away. How in the world? Because she is, she has brain cancer, but she is fit. She is physically healthy other than the fact that she has brain cancer, but she is susceptible. And so she wanted a vaccine. She wanted to protect herself, her family, her kid, she has three high school boys. They could not leave the house for, she had a homeschool them. they couldn't do sports. They couldn't do anything because her, her, you know, oncologist was like, no, until you can protect yourself. Yet somebody with a high BMI who perhaps was perfectly healthy, you know, other than this category that they gave them as having a certain BMI is getting this vaccine, which is fine. I think, you know, everybody that wants to get it should have the option to get it. But that's my point is like what you just said is that your weight, your size, isn't necessarily determined. Like it it doesn't determine like how physically healthy you are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, I feel for your neighbor. I do, you know, it's one of those where I think we all just, in everything that we're doing, taking a step back, <laughs> you know, yes. realizing some of the snowball implications um, yes. and focusing on, you know, what we can do to support ourselves, to support our health and that of those around us. And that most often looks like the small things that we do all the time and learning how to make those choices so that we're not relying on the willpower. Yes. Because taking a step back for a second, just to reiterate to people, when we, when we talk about not relying on the willpower, like we said at the beginning, willpower is basically a brain decision. So if your brain is not in the optimal place to make decisions, you're basically relying on a house that's going to crumble. It's like, and, and we can even talk about, you know, the brain science of, you know, are we operating from the back of the brain, the fear brain, the stress brain, or from the front of the brain that is ordered thinking and goal oriented and, and problem solving and looking at challenges versus, you know, finite problems and, you know, making decisions from different places in the brain, (laughs) right? Yes. Is very different. And that is where we're operating from is a function of our blood sugar and our nutrition and our stress and our sleep and all of those other factors. Like it almost feels like we're talking in circles because it sort of all comes back to these same factors, but it becomes really important to recognize that we can't, I always call it white knuckling. Like we can't white knuckle our way through life and expect our best outcomes for ourselves, our kids or anybody. Well, our brain needs to be in, in good shape and needs to be, you know, have its nutrients needs to be rested, needs to be, um, um, my, my, my brain's actually like not thinking it needs to be um, hydrated. Um, it needs to be in, in good form in order to make a good decision. And willpower is one of those. So it's like, if you're not, you know, if you're not 
like you said, if you're not asking yourself those questions of, am I rested? You know, am I hydrated? Am I, you know, what am I eating? How's my stress level? If you're not operating on those, that as a basis, and instead uh, using the basis at the top, which is those decisions, you're not, you don't have a strong foundation. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to build that foundation first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're feeling lost and you don't know where to go, like, let's chat. I've got you. Like, you don't have to figure this out alone. And, you know, a lot of what that involves is stepping off the roller coaster, get out of line, divorce the scale, all the things, (laughs) you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, this is why, you know, this is um, why I love bringing guests like you on and why I try really hard to bring guests um, that are credentialed, that are, you know, have the experience. And that's why I want to share my experience and my expertise um, for people listening to these podcasts, because it's, you only know what you know, period. You know, like you only know what you know. And when it comes to things in our everyday life, like a light goes out, you can't figure out why you call an electrician. You don't Mm -hmm. call your, you don't call your, your, your plumber. So why are we looking at, why are we not going to people that know what they're doing when it comes to making these decisions on our health and wellness? Like, why are we going to random, you know, websites online that who knows if they have the right information? Why are we not getting our levels checked with our doctors? Why are we not like, why are we not doing the things that we, you know, reaching out to the people we should be versus listening to the things that are trying to sell you something or, you know, are, you know, do not have the basis of knowledge. And, and that's like, this is why I bring people like you on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, this is a whole other conversation and certainly (laughs) one of my soapbox issues, you know, you know, that's, that's a whole other can of worms for sure. But I, I appreciate you inviting me and, um, you know, look forward to our continued conversations. Absolutely. And I appreciate you being here. So um, those of you listening, make sure you check out the um, post on this because there's a link so you can get a free wellness discovery call with Jen. Um, If what you're looking for is if you, what you, you know, what you hear here is what you're looking for. Um, And everybody listening, I just, I appreciate you all. You know, I have my podcast because of listeners. Um, If you like this episode, please subscribe, leave me a review and a rating. Those of us that have podcasts know how important that is to get our podcast up there um, and to have people like Jen want to come on and to that helps bring you more information versus the stuff you randomly find that isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sophia, thank you for having me. Guys, please reach out on, you know, social media. I'm at Jen Trepek, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K on all the platforms. I can't wait to hear from you. Just tell me your, your, you know, biggest takeaway from today. And of course, I'd love to chat with you for a discovery call. So happy to offer that to all of your listeners, Sophia. I so appreciate it. Um, Yes. And those of you listening, make sure you tune in next time where we're going to be focusing on um, our small habits that can lead to big changes and why focusing on large goals actually um, isn't going to help. So um, thanks everybody. And we will chat again soon.